Cook's house. All right. So we have Temple again. I think we're going to be ready for this one. Let's break down why. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Cougs, the podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Ainsworth, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just hate when you step by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way you get the latest on the Cougs in your newsfeed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked on Cougs your first listen of the day. Uh, Welcome back to the YouTube channel. Uh, This is coming to you over the weekend because we have a Big, big basketball game of the weekend. Kind of in the middle of what was a busy, chaotic week for the University of Houston. And we got to make sure we preview a very important game between the Houston Cougars and the Temple Owls. Now, this is an important game because Temple Owls are one of two teams that have beaten the Houston Cougars this season and the lone conference team do have done so. So we have to make sure we get ready for that. Now, um, the way this is going to go is going to give a little bit of a recap of the last game in the first segment to kind of make sure we all remember what exactly happened. The second segment is going to look at like what needs to happen to change that outcome. Right. Because bluntly Houston needs a different outcome. They can't have two losses to temple on the resume. That's not, uh, let's just say it's not going to end up with the top seeding they'd like in the tournament. And then in the third segment, we're going to look at like how life for temple has been since they played Houston, uh, just a couple weeks ago on January 22nd. Um, Frankly, they've had a lot of time off. And so that's that's kind of part of the story there. But first, let's break down the last game. Obviously, the score was 56 to 55. Bad guys, you remember Tremont Mark has a great uh, tip-in look at the buzzer on an inbounds play, beautifully drawn up. We were looped around the big fella down low to kind of, you know, fake out and come back in. It's a really cool setup with Sasser going one edge and so on and so on. Um, anyway, tip just went out. Uh, so Houston does fall by a single point um, in that matchup. There's a couple different things to remember. Um, one Houston did miss 10 free throws. Yes. Shot 11 for 21 from the free throw line. Um, that's hard to win any basketball game when you shoot like that. Um, but moreover, Houston shot just 33.9% from the field could not score to save their life. We'll get into more of the schematics of that later, but that was certainly a story for Houston. Um, and I want to give some credit to the Owls defense in this moment. We aren't going to give all the credit to the Owls defense, but some credit to the Owls defense in this moment um, because they did a great job of running Houston into more of the 5 to 10 foot range. Didn't quite get a whole bunch of layups, although they could have made more of those too. And they uh, put Houston on the free throw line and Houston did not convert, right? Um Also, worth noting in this game, that the first 30 minutes of offense out of Temple was phenomenal. Uh, They had Damian Dunn shot three of eight from three. Zach Hicks shot four of eight from three. And on the whole, um, both guys, uh, I guess just point out that Damian Dunn led them in scoring, but both guys were sharpshooting early in a way that made this feel like, oh, God, Houston's going to have to score 70 or 80 points to get out of this one. Um, The other... The other thing that were uncharacteristic about this game for Houston, there's a lot of odd, you know, Jairus Walker misses and floaters and stuff like that, like we've seen him make before. Um, Houston didn't get a lot of production out of their bench. Um, Arsenal and Emmanuel Sharp, Terrence Arsenal and Emmanuel Sharp did not play a whole lot, um, combining for 15 points between the two of them and just uh, for 15 minutes between the two of them and just three points. Um, 
Reggie Chaney played 15 minutes. That was kind of out of necessity in a uh, Juwan Roberts foul situation. He did foul out of the basketball game with a minute left, but missed a lot of time on the bench with three and four fouls really early in the contest. And Javier Francis only got six minutes. A big, big part of that and looking through the, you know, watching the game back some and kind of getting ready to preview the second matchup was blind that the young guys looked a little lost defensively. Um, and that really hurts when Temple, frankly, uses a really unique system where their two best scores do come off of their bench. They come off the bench at about the four-minute mark, and that's uh, Damian Dunn and Khalif Battle. Uh, they both come in and play 30 or more minutes of basketball game, right? Uh, but they're coming off the bench at about the four-minute mark and kind of like get into the game when everyone else kind of catching that first wind. Um and in regards to Damian Dunn, Houston didn't really have an answer. He was constantly open for three on kickouts, and it was a really, really big problem. Um, worth you know pointing out, Temple did not score a basket, a field goal, in the final seven seven minutes and five seconds. They only scored one point in the final eight minutes off of a free throw. And on the whole, it looked like that was going to be the Houston Cougar comeback, right? That Houston was going to come back and throughout this ugly game, where Houston did a lot of isolation basketball and looked very, very stagnant on offense, that Houston was going to be able to still pull it out and still get it out, and they did not. Now, if Houston can win on Sunday, and if Houston can continue to like project forward after taking the lessons from the first Temple game and move forward, um, then I think on the whole that's not the worst thing in the world, right? They have a, a good coach, right, and Aaron McKee, um, they're a good basketball program historically. You know, they're not maybe necessarily the best right now, but they've got two great scores. They match up very well physically, and they're an aggressive defensive team, right? And so theoretically, a loss of them is not the worst. It, it's not great, but it's not the worst, and here's why. Teams are going to lose. I mean, we just saw Alabama lost to a bad Oklahoma team today. Like, does Oklahoma have the name brand and name recognition, I guess, that Temple does? And I, I, guess, I guess they have that. Sure, if you want to go back to like Hollis Price's when Coach Santos was there the first time around, or or whatever, right? Um, but on the whole, that was a bad loss. They lost by thirty, right? Um, Houston lost by one, and so theoretically, it's, it's worth pointing out like teams teams do lose. The undefeated college basketball team is far far away. I mean, I guess the Kentucky team almost did it, and then they didn't, right? Um, and so it's hard to imagine a team goes undefeated in the modern college basketball world ever um the second thing i'll say as far as that is like had they won that game i might be more worried about the second one because you could almost you know lull yourself to sleep about like oh but we survived and da 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 and like oh we'll always win and like you'll feel good about in a way that then you go to temple in philly the same matchup problems happen and you fall apart right and that's something i don't need happen to cougars i think that especially if you're trying to look at like how things seed later on uh, Houston's kind of got to win a lot of their American Athletic Conference games just to maintain the validity in getting a one seed. Um, seeding's important because that way you at least theoretically have a little bit of an easier path depending on who's in your bracket. Um, and so that's going to be really, really important for them down the stretch. Uh, long story short, they need to win this game on Sunday. They need to probably do it in you know somewhat of a showboaty fashion. I'd say like run the score up, but like not at the buzzer like winning at the buzzer is better than losing at the buzzer but they need to do something towards the fact of like they look like the better basketball team that helps make that january 22nd matchup look like a fluke now i want to talk some in the second segment about the x's and o's of how i think that's going to happen 
But first, I need to talk to you about our buddies at FanDuel. Now, FanDuel is the number one sports book in America. Uh, it's our newest sports betting partner here at Locked On. And we're excited to talk with you about them ahead of Super Bowl 57. Yes, this Sunday, the Houston Cougars play Temple Owls, but next Sunday is Super Bowl 57. You can download FanDuel now and bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You can get the 3, 000, up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything, the money line, the point spreads, to who will score a touchdown. And that's where I come in and tell you that my bet I'm telling you to do with them is, assuming they're going to keep the spread at less than two, I'm taking the Eagles, and I'm taking Jalen Hurts, Channel View's own, right? Channel View all the way. And I also feel like it's worth pointing out, if they're letting you bet who scores touchdowns, they've got Dallas Goddard at plus 190 to score. Now, that's not the big-time payout of a plus 700 or something like that. But him scoring a touchdown feels as confident, I feel as confident that as if they score any th- passing touchdowns, any receiving touchdown happens for the Eagles, I think Dallas Goddard's got one of them. He had a lot of them throughout the season. But moreover, I saw a Kansas City played the Cincinnati pair of dynamic receivers, and imagine they're going to treat A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith the same way, and the way they played that was by leaving the tight end open a lot. So that's what I'm thinking is going to happen in Super Bowl. I said it a bunch of times now, so please go check that out and do it at FanDuel.com. FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and easy to use. Best of all, you can get your paid winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports book partner of the NFL. All right. So the X's knows this, I think, interesting because on the one hand, you want to say, Parker, if they made their normal free throws, they win the basketball game. You also want to say, like Parker, they missed. Uh, 17 shots from inside of 15 feet. They make their normal shooting percentages there. They win the basketball game. Parker, they made 9 of 14 layups. If they just make their layups, they win the basketball game. And all of those are true, right? All of those things are accurate. And I think that was fair about pointing out that I was like, theoretically, the scheme didn't screw them, right? Like the way that they attacked Temple offensively is not what necessarily... Um, threw a wrench in the plan and lost the basketball game, right? Um, I, I think that's very, very valid and frankly worth pointing out, right? Like if they just shot the ball as well as they normally do, especially at home, come away with a victory. Now, on the road, I do think you typically shoot the ball worse. Uh, Houston's actually played very well on the road this season, still undefeated at this point. Um, but in doing that, um, you know it's going to be a hostile environment. Temple wants to go 2-0 against Cougs. And frankly, as Houston's moving to the Big 12 next season, this is kind of like the last chance to go 2-0 against Cougs and all those kinds of things, right? Um, the thing I think they got to do more of is they're weaving offense around the three-point line where they're doing kinds of handoffs and dribble drives and things like that um, that eventually leads to someone going through an elevator screen off the nail. Someone standing at the middle of the free-throw line, right, pops off the elevator for a three or at least then turn into a pick and roll with you know Jairus Walker or Juwan Roberts rolling off of the 4-2 or 4-3 screen. Um, all of that suffice to say the ball is going to move more. In the last game, in more layman's terms, um, Houston as a team had just nine assists. They made 19 baskets, right? So half of their made baskets came off of assists but they ran a ton of isolation offense. And so to me, what that indicates is that the isolation offense for the vast majority of the game, I guess, did make 10 shots. But 
that's you know not great offense, and they didn't make a lot of their shots, especially from those close distances. Whereas if they moved the ball and got more open catch and shoot, driving kick kind of shots, they're scoring half the time, right? Uh, sorry, half of their made baskets that way. And I would encourage them to do that more often. I think the deal we saw this a lot is it looked like, and I don't mean to belittle the Houston Rockets, although they're not great for several years in a row now. Um, they looked like a lot of isolation ball. Like you'd see an NBA team do like the Houston Rockets, right? NBA teams got a bunch of guys that are used to getting buckets and how they want to. And frankly, it's about matchups and getting my guy and your guy and tagging the basket. Houston is more athletic. And so I get why that is the theory there, right? The theory there is that it, Houston should be able to attack the rim, should be able to attack the cup and get whatever they want. When they double, we kick out and that guy drives too. Um, and again, if Houston shot the normal percentages, that theory would have worked. However, the movement and the assisting of the ball, to me, is how you get, A, more guys involved, and B, how you spread the wealth a little bit. Now, in this game, Sasser finished with 12 points, but early in the contest, he was struggling a little bit shooting the basketball, and frankly, they were face guarding him a lot of the first half, and that means trying to take him out of the offense. And what I think is interesting is since, <laughs> since this game, um, as recently as the was it the second Cincinnati game, right? Um, we heard Coach Sampson subtly mentioned a couple times at the post game press conference, and then you and I talked about it using Marcus Sasser as a decoy, right? Having him play more like a point guard because when he goes through a dribble handoff, his guy can't help off because he's getting face guarded, right? Or when he throws the post entry pass, his guy can't double down the block because his guy's got to face guard Marcus, right? If that's their defensive strategy, using ways to toy and play with that. And I think it's accurate to point out that doing that against Cincinnati means they can do that against Temple. Cincinnati's a bigger, stronger team at several positions, especially when you have Landers Nolly shooting like he did the other day, right? Um, so I say that to say that I think that Houston's got a couple of new cards in the deck to play if this goes in that direction. Um, but also, you know, if Marcus Astor shoots his normal percentages, he makes one more three. We're not talking about this conversation as a got to win kind of game, right? Um, that said, I would like to see more of the ball movement kind of stuff. I, again, I've said this several times, but the weave offense I like that they run the most is they run some the power forward, so Jarris or Jawan at the nail, middle of the free throw line, and they're constantly weaving the three guards back and forth, kind of hesitating to go across the court, but like staying typically where they're constantly going back and forth with actions, and eventually one of them pops off of, typically even Marcus, has popped off of the screen at the free throw line area outside the, th- outside the top of the key, and then if he's not open for an immediate catch and shoot, he has stayed some triple threat, the power forward, Jawan, or... Um, Jarris will step out two steps, set the screen, pick and roll with the big man low. Sometimes they span pick and roll, depending on what side of the basket, who's on um, with the with the five. So Javier, Jawan, or whomever. Um, I'll just say that that's the offense I like because that's the offense that has the most movement in it. And it still allows Houston to get more of the advantage they have against this Temple team where they're penetrating off the bounce. Um, you know, the other thing of this is, is that, um, so I love Jamal Shedd offensively Jamal shed had a, a B game in the first simple game. Um, he had a lot of those isolation plays because he's the guy bringing the ball up and bluntly Damian Dunn can't stay in front of him. And so he's like, I'm going by this cat and I'm going to get my, get my 25. We're going to beat these guys. And he finished with 13, right? He finished four of 16 shooting the ball. 
Um, three of eight from by the arc, which is not horrible for him. That's kind of in line with his averages, but that didn't work. And um, if he's shooting the ball well and scoring the ball well, I totally get why that would be an offense. However, if he's not shooting the ball and scoring the ball well, then I kind of worry if it's really a viable option. And I wonder if the thing there is even in the full court, move Sasser over the point. And um, we haven't had two in a while. And so we'll see if that's the way they go. But I can see that being the way that they go. Defensively, uh, the big fix I see from an X's and O's perspective is that Houston struggled after initially tagging the roller. So against like Tulsa in the first like three minutes, Houston had trouble. But and against a few different times, seen Houston have trouble where they're so aggressive on the ball handler on a pick and roll in the opposite slot that they don't quite rotate over fast enough to to like help on a diving fast roll, right? Um, in the Houston game, in the Temple game, Houston is that great, right? They tagged the roll, they helped from the backside, even got a charge if I'm counting things right. Um, got in front of the guy, whatever. The deal then became that that guy then had options to pass the ball to and Houston was either slow in rotation or gave up open threes. Um, and that's how you get the three point shooting from Hicks or I guess Damian Dunn was also hitting one or two off, off the dribble, but like those guys get hot from three point line um, early in that game to kind of build a lead that Houston then had to dig themselves out of. Now on the game, Temple did just shoot 33.3% from three, which is less than they do on the season uh, per game. And I want to point out that, like, on the whole, Houston played the odds and ended up forcing bad shooters into jump socks. I mean, like, Jordan for them is he's a very, he's a good forward. I don't mean to put down a college kid, but he went 0 for 2 from 3 in the second half. And, like, that's because Houston won him shooting threes, right? And so if they can see to do that, you know, from the jump, I don't know if that's necessarily awful. Also, like, I've said, I said this, I think, in the post game after that one, they practice too, right? Like, so I guess at some point, like, your defense has to just hope that at some point they miss the shots. Um, defense as a whole, though, like people are going to be critical of because they lost, and that's always easy to blame defense on. But holding this team to 56 points, and they've been averaging more like 70 on the season, and frankly, it's just over 70 after the game since this one. Um, that's impressive. That's 14 points below their season average. That's a good defensive outing. If you hold the other team 14 points below their average, you just got to score your average most of the time, right? And that's frankly all that had to happen here. If Houston hit it, their averages, they don't want by double digits. Um, in the third segment, I'd like to talk a little bit about what uh, Temple has done since and kind of how that might tie into this game in particular. So let's jump on into the third segment here. Um, in the third segment, Temple here has only played two games since playing Houston last. Um they played neither of them in the last week, <laughs> which is hard to imagine. Um, and also, they played two overtime games that kind of... Anyway, they look impressive. And I said to say that like their previous in the like, season-long record does not look impressive, but they lost to South Florida on Wednesday the 25th by three points. They beat South Florida by three points in overtime. And they beat Central Florida on Saturday the 28th by seven points in overtime. Okay. I think those are two good basketball teams. I guess people might disagree with me about South Florida, but certainly Central Florida has a first round pick, a lottery pick type guy on the team, right? And they beat both of those teams in overtime. Um, and then I've had a week off to get ready for Houston, right? And 
I could go on my soliloquy about how I don't think that's fair. Um, but also I want to know when they set this schedule almost a year ago now that like in theory, Houston would have wanted more time here. I would thought they want more time, a couple different spots. Right. Um, but that's a lot of time off. And frankly, if you're coaching this team as Kelvin, Kel- as Samson, Samson and company are, um, if you're coaching this team, that's not a whole lot of tape to see what they're doing differently. So you have to assume they're going to do some of the things the same way. Um, and frankly, since they were successful for 30 minutes of the basketball game, again, they snuck out the end, but Houston probably went, I mean, Houston definitely won the last 10 minutes of the basketball game, right? Um, they're, I would imagine they do some of the same things. So if looking at like the South Florida game and the Central Florida game, I think the more interesting thing to me is how they finish down the stretch of those ones and who they're scoring is leaning on. Um, and in the Houston versus Temple game, they kind of took Khalif Battle out of the contest. Against Central Florida, Khalif Battle had 26 points, right? Like, I think that they're trying to stem their offense back towards him. We just kind of lucked into a bad or bad lucked into a Damian Dunn shooting the skin off the ball kind of day, right? And so I think if Houston can continue to contain Khalif Battle, what they did, which they did with Mark and Walker, um, maybe they have a more you know down-to-earth shooting day out of Zach Hicks. I mean, against Central Florida, Zach Hicks had six points, right? He had 12 on four threes against Houston. Worth pointing out, his six points uh, were, were also both threes against Central Florida. So maybe cover him out there. Um, but, you know, I think that those are all things that you could argue. If Houston plays the same defense and Temple shoots the ball normal early, they're probably up going into that last 10-minute stretch. Um this whole week off thing is troublesome because Houston is on a road trip and it's a long one there in Wichita, Kansas on Thursday night. And then I have two days to get to uh, Pennsylvania and play temple and, and all of those, you know, like that's not great. That's not easy. I would imagine there's not a whole lot of serious practice. It's probably more film study and mental work between games. Um, depend, you know, we'll see how much they look exhausted or not. Um, but that is a quick, quick turnaround. And so that could be a big factor for Houston. I also think in looking at this, um, you know, as far as what Temple's given up in the last couple of games, because going on overtime means that they did almost lose. Um, they gave up balanced scoring to Central Florida, right? Four guys in double figures. They gave up relatively balanced scoring to South Florida as well, right? Um, three guys in double figures, I guess one guy at 21. Um and all those are big fellas. I think what Houston's got to do is balance their own score sheet by moving the basketball, like I said, in the X's No segment. And I think they got to do it by relying on, A, if Jarris plays like he did against Cincinnati, got to ride that horse, right? Um, but B, I wonder if this is the game where if you're going to say, hey, Jamal, your job is to shut down Damian Dunn, and we're going to go through Sass a little bit more, right? And just kind of get the ball moving. Because in that first game, Marcus had five of the nine assists. He kind of got the picture, right? Um, that's more of the path to victory if they do it this time around. And then obviously shooting their shots. The other thing I'll say too, and this is my last, I don't, I don't, I don't like saying this kind of thing because I don't want to like bash college kids. But the bench has to step up. You got to be able to play defense in this game to get on the floor. And at the end of the day, um, we love having Emmanuel Sharp on offense. We love having Terrence Arson on offense. We love having Jay Bear's uh, length and arms and all that and all, all both ends of the basket. But they got to step up and play offense 
step up and play defense as well as they play offense or else they can't play. And we don't get to take advantage of and use the gifts that they have scoring the basketball because our system is predicated on all five guys being able to guard your face. And if any of those guys are slipping, we got problems, right? And so I think it's going to be a fun contest. I got Houston by 11 in uh, in my picks right here. I think that Houston wins by 11. I imagine it's more like seven and they have make some free throws down the stretch, right? I imagine it feels more like six, seven, and then they make free throws on the stretch to make it actually 11. Uh, close game. And frankly, I, I think that's how the first game should have gone. If they'd scored the ball like they should. And that's kind of what I'm basing that on here, but we'll be obviously following it all day long at Painsworth five, which is P A I N S W O R T H five, one, two on Twitter. Instagram, be real, TikTok, our social media handles. We're willing to talk all things Cougar football, basketball. Uh, I got Astros, Rockets. The Texans just got a new coach. Shout out to Miko Ryan. It's a great hire. Um, for all the problems I have with the Houston Texans, it's a great hire. I got sneakers, hip hop, whatever you talk about. We talk about all day long at Pains with 512. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Cougs your first listen of the day, especially on the weekend. If you're looking for a second listen of the day, I'm going to recommend Locked On Big 12. It was a big week for the Big 12, National Sign Day and things like that in the middle, and that's where we're headed. So make sure you go check them out and check out the latest on the Big 12. It's a good conference-wide daily show as well. Thank you so much for hitting subscribe and liking the show. Uh, we hope to see you again tomorrow. Locked On Cougs, the primary Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Go Cougs.